You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. How much do you know about your family history? Perhaps you know where your ancestors came from or have a vague notion of it. But what about the stories that have woven their way into who you are today? You might think there are no skeletons in the closet. Brad Argent is a family historian and researcher at Ancestry.com, and he firmly believes that every family has a secret waiting to be found. Hi, Brad. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Why do people start to search for their family history? Yeah, look, it's an interesting question. I think um, there's a lot of motivators for that. I think people get motivated by, you know, sometimes it's the, it's the death of someone and there's a sense of what's been lost when they go, the knowledge that's been lost. Um, sometimes it's the birth of a child, you know, either as a grandparent and getting the sense of, oh, I've got, I've got to leave something behind, I've got a legacy, or as a, as a parent going, hey, you know, I'm, I realise I'm sort of like, you know, a link in a chain now. And, you know, how far back does that chain actually go? Now, I did say that you have a um, belief that there is a family secret waiting for most of us, but you're not necessarily saying they're all skeletons in the closet. What kind of stories have you discovered that have um, been quite beautiful things, perhaps, that people didn't know before? Yeah, look, I I think that's one of the things when people go into family history, they, they can be a little bit scared about what they're going to find. And I do think you need to go into it with your eyes wide open. Yeah, you might find some stuff that can be a little bit confronting, but you're also going to find a whole heap of things that are joyful. Things like, you know, triumph over adversity. You know, when you see your ancestors coming to a new country, starting a new life, getting, in many cases, a better life than the one that they left behind. Having children, multiple children, and you know we do. You know you do sort of hear a lot about infant mortality, particularly the further back you go, the higher that was. But you do see lots of large families, and so you can get things like that in sort of traditional family history. And then, of course, you come to DNA, and when it's when you see DNA, you can get really interesting things like um, you know ethnicities that you might not be expecting. So you might just sort of be sort of out there and you're sort of listening along and you're going, well, you know, I'm, I'm, all, I'm just English, you know, English, Australian. But then you take a DNA test and suddenly you get a little bit of perhaps Jewish DNA or a little bit of Italian DNA. And suddenly, you know, you're perhaps a little bit more exotic than you thought you were when you started. So there's lots of wonder, wonder and joy that come from the process. You had your own experience of rediscovering the truth in your own family. Can you tell us a bit about that story? Yes. Yeah, so it's an interesting story, that one. It's a story about, um, about Rose. Rose was on uh, my mother's side of the family and um, she'd sort of been ostracised from the family. Now we're talking at events that took place in the very f- first half of the 20th century. And I was told that she did this thing. No one told me what the thing was. And it was a terrible shame upon the family. And so she was ostracised and we never spoke to her again and it wasn't really spoken about. And she was made out to be this bad person. But I, um, I digged 
because um, that just set me off, you know. I went, okay, well, what, what is this here? So I digged a little bit deeper into the story and what had happened was Rose was probably in her early 30s, had a couple of kids, and it looked like she had a relationship with a, with a man who wasn't her husband, got pregnant through that relationship, left her husband and went back to her mother's house. And as it sort of unfolded, the story came out in the family that, you know, she had this child and she, she murdered the child and ran off with the man. And when I dug a little deeper and I looked at things like the birth record for the child and the death record and the coroner's inquest, it turns out that what had happened is Rose had had a late-term miscarriage and actually given birth on the toilet. Now, this is back at, a, at this sort of point in history, the area she was living in, they had the night soil. So rather than having the sewerage or a septic tank, it was basically just a big bucket and someone would come and empty it the next every day. And, of course, that's when the baby was discovered. Now, you know, when I went through and the story sort of was unfolding for me, there was a sense for me of wanting to find justice for this person who died uh, you know, quite some years ago. But I just felt that I had this need to, to get the facts and then tell the story based on the facts. Now, my mother, when she was relaying the story to me, told me that it was you know, all over the newspapers with the family had to hide. It was such shame. Now, I scanned every newspaper I could find from that date and I found absolutely nothing referring to the story. Uh, it, did, it did have a kind of a, I suppose, a happier ending. Rose, I don't know whether she ended up going off with, with that man that was involved, but she did end up in Queensland and, uh, and married again and had two more children and seemed to live a, a long and one would hope happy life but I do feel that she was done a massive injustice just based on the evidence you know I'm not going to judge her behavior necessarily but it was to me the story was framed in a way that made her the villain I'm not saying she was without blame but she was a massive victim here and, and in a way it feels like rewriting that history right the history yeah. that your family's told oh look yeah very much so I um I did feel that it's it's important. I mean, these this is the one of the things that I find interesting, particularly in the in the family history industry today. There's a lot of focus on DNA, and DNA is wonderful, but it's it's only half the story. We're built both genetically and, if you like, mimetically. So the, the stories, the memes that are passed down through the family, the traditions that we have, the stories we tell each other, shape us. So for me, it's really important that these, these come from a place of truth. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, like a really, really simple example of that is my father used to say his side of the family all came from convicts and my mother, used her side of the family said nothing. Now, when I actually did the family history, my dad's family were very boring, you know, free settlers from, you know, the 1880s. My mother's family was riddled with convicts. <laughs> so, you know, you've got, I get the facts right. And often the, the truth is far more entertaining than the fiction that was created. How have you seen learning about a family history affect a person? Like, does it change the way they look at things? 
Yeah, look, I have been really fortunate in, um, in the work that I do that I've been present with people when they've discovered things that change how they see themselves. I've watched people become someone else right in front of me. And I, like a story that I tell about this young woman, let's say her name was Elizabeth. She was 27 years old. Her parents were very old and she was an only child. And she was very concerned about being alone. She wanted to have a child because she wanted that, you know, just that, 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 that company. And she was almost like desperate. And, you know, we did, we did the DNA test with the, really with the intent of telling her what her ethnicity was. And so I went through that and explained what her ethnicity results were. And then almost as a throwaway at the end, I said, oh, and by the way, you've got this second cousin who's trying to connect with you. And I just watched this, this young woman become someone else entirely right in front of me. Like I, she literally grew. She was taller. She was more confident because she'd been looking for some, you know, she was worried about her parents dying and her being alone. She was looking for family and she found family and it was a second cousin and, uh, you know, I figured our families get frayed over time and sometimes they lose connections. And this was a reconnection for her. And, you know, that sort of stuff happens every day to people, but to be there and to be, and to be present for it, I mean, it's such a blessing. Why do you think people still feel connected with ancestors that lived so long ago? Um, you know, you think about those, those, um, TV series, who do you think you are or whatever? And mm. they'll find some history about a convict great-great-great-grandparent that they never even knew they had and hear about their miserable life and be completely decimated by the story. And I'm always wondering, I think that that could be anyone. Like, you don't know them. Why do you think we still feel this connection with ancestors a that we've never met and b that we don't really have a history of venerating like other cultures do yeah you know we we don't we don't certainly don't venerate our ancestors in the way that other cultures do but there is a little bit of federation that goes on you know when we talk about our ancestors that built the country or that fought in gallipoli or you know there is a there is a bit of a connection to that but you know i think the thing that connects us with them is you know this when you look at your kids and you can see yourself in your children and sometimes that can be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When you're doing your family history and you're stepping back and you're researching, you find someone and it might be somebody who went through a particular struggle that, you can, that resonates with you or you discover that you had a great, great aunt who was an artist and it go, oh, that might be where I get my, my love of drawing from. Or we find ways to explain ourselves through the lives of our ancestors. And so, I can't, you know, you often start off when you're doing family history about telling the stories of your ancestors, when really what you're doing is you're telling the story of yourself. So you're writing your own history. You just don't think about that when you go through it. It's not until you get a long way down that path that you sort of get this revelation that, oh, this is all about me. <laughs> what a profound place to end the interview, Brad. I didn't ask too many questions about the skeletons in the closet, but, you know, we can leave that for people to find out for themselves. Yeah, look, you know, those, those things can be challenging 
But, you know, I think one thing that we need to do, and this kind of goes back to this whole notion of venerating our ancestors, we have to remember that they're human and they're fallible. And, you know, and in fact, for me, the fact that they made mistakes but got on with the job of living their lives is really reassuring. You know, when I stumble, you know, when I fail, when I make mistakes, I'm kind of reassured by the fact that, well, you know, my ancestors did that and they got on all right. Someone had a child out of wedlock. It happens. Somebody, you discover, particularly through DNA, that a parent, a grandparent might not be the right grandparent. Again, it doesn't change the story of who you are. It just adds to the story of who you are. Nothing that you find out about yourself should ever remove anything from your identity unless you consciously decide to do that. Sounds like you might need to be a counsellor as well as a researcher. I am actually a trained counsellor. So. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky. So when you're looking into your family history, if you want support, make sure you ask for Brad. <laughs> I'll see if I can find some time. <laughs> Brad, thank you so much for the chat. It's been fascinating. Yeah, it's been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. That's Brad Argent. He's a family historian and researcher at Ancestry.com. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.